What a sci-fi Saturday night. Oh, that's right. I, uh, listen, and this is good. Thank you for having me on. This is Adam West and AdamWest.com. Don't forget that. AdamWest.com, we have so many goodies for you. We will begin a mass invasion. Tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You think me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. As of 2019, all Area 51 recordings of Sci-Fi Saturday Night have been enhanced with both multivitamins and more than seven essential audio nutrients to help augment your listening experience. Tonight, in episode 406, we look forward with great excitement to listening to people talk while wondering, where can I find a gimlet? Interesting, you say? Perhaps. Candy floss for the years. Absolutely. Our staff for tonight's podcast are our own violent audio virtuoso sitting at the Sci-Fi Saturday Night Gaming Console and Help Desk, Kriana. (laughs) And also joining us tonight, reference librarian to robots and other non-human sentience, her newest degree in crypto-numismatics. Cryptonumismatics. There it is. Please join me in welcoming Zombrarian. I I hear an animal purring. Isn't she cute? She's the cutest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a cutie. How you doing, Zombrarian? I'm good. Happy Thanks. New Year, Dome. Hmm? Happy New Year. Well, thank you. Happy New Year to you as well. It's true we haven't talked since the New Year. You've been Not rather busy with your with well, your library it's, stuff. It's also the New Year. I know, I know, and, and uh, yeah. Year of the pig officially. Excellent. Have you made a New Year's resolution yet? No, but I made pig-shaped steamed buns with six teenagers, and I didn't die or yell at anyone. <laughs> Seeing your job is safe for yet another week. And only 50% of them ate raw dough, so... Excellent. It's a good There's day. something to be said for that, I guess. I don't, I'm not sure if I, I, I know what it is or not. How are you, Dave? <laughs> me? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. You know, it's, I feel it's, like uh... you always ask me, and I never ask you. Well, Wonderful. thank you. It's a lovely day here in Area 51. It was nice and warm, and uh, the doctors had good things to say to me, and the psychiatrist laughed. What more do I need? As long <laughs> as it was an encouraging laugh and not a derisive one, we're good. I, I'll be damned if I can tell the difference anymore. But yeah, <laughs> Our guest tonight is and has been many things. He is and was a writer. He is and was an advertising copywriter, a voice director, a project manager for Event Horizon Software, a devotee and writer of science fiction, and according to his own website, a self-acclaimed smartass. And now he can also call himself the publisher and founder of Dreamforge magazine. 
please welcome Scott Knoll. Scott, welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dom. It's it's really great to be here, and I have my gimlet ready. Excellent, excellent. One of the few people who knew what a gimlet was. <laughs> you start. Uh, first of all, congratulations on your Kickstarter, which is now overfunded and working its way well towards its uh, second uh, goal. Uh, yeah. Actually, third. It's doing very, very well. And uh, the Kickstarter is for the startup money or more startup money for your latest adventure, which is Dreamforge Magazine. Um, Dreamforge Magazine is kind of a throwback in some ways to the 40s and 50s, and in other ways, absolutely nothing like it. Let me see. <laughs> and that may be the worst description ever of what the magazine is. But what it has for me, and I'm, I'm sitting here in Area 51, holding in my hand the 2018 mock-up issue. And I've got to tell you, uh, for the listeners out there, when, when you click on the links and go look at its website, it, the, the website, it looks really good. It's got nothing on actually holding one of them in your hand. It's just an absolutely beautiful publication. But in your biography on the website, you quote uh, a dialogue from the H.G. Wells uh, film, Things to Come. Yes. And the quote, the quote is, when man has conquered all the depths of space and all the mysteries of time, still he will be beginning. And if we're no more than animals, we must snatch each little scrap of happiness and live and suffer and pass, mattering no more than all the other animals do or have done. It is this or that, all the universe or nothing. That's that's a hell of a statement for you to make about you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making that statement about mankind um, because I really believe it. Um, today, we live in a world that, that seems to be very dystopian, and no matter which side of the political spectrum you're on or which side of the climate debate, you know, everyone thinks that, you know, the civilization is going to hell in a handbasket one way or another. And I think we need to step back, take a breath, and look at things in a much bigger perspective. Look at things in a perspective of a century, two centuries, a thousand years. What's it going to be like 500 years from now? 500 years ago, we were just talking about Nicholas Copernicus and just understanding that planets went around the sun. 500 years from now, as, as a humanity, as a civilization, may well command powers that today would look to us like magic or like, you know, the intervention of the divine. It's technology is just advancing at that much of, of uh, an exponential rate. One of the things you mentioned, uh, you, you, you have a set of precepts and, and goals for the magazine. Uh, and one of them that kind of jumped out on, at me when I first started uh, pawing through this, which is just beautiful and wonderful, but I've already said that. Uh, <laughs> our goal is to publish fiction and commentary that embody in one way or another these essential principles, integrity and decency, compassion and creativity, intelligence and inventiveness, the rule of law and liberty under the law, the dignity of the individual and the power of synergy to unleash the potential of disparate individuals and communities for the betterment of all. There's a mouthful for you. 
it, it is. I, I, my wife tells me that I can be very verbose. So when I, when she says, I need you to write like an editorial for one page or whatever, she knows she's going to get like five and we're going to have to cut it back. But I appreciate you, you reading that because one of the goals of our magazine is actually just to be civil, um, just to, you know, show a little bit of, of integrity and, and just, you know, decency and empathy. Empathy would be a very good word here. Uh, we want our stories to do what stories should do is take people into the lives of individuals who are not like them, who are who are different, who are facing different circumstances and and allow them to have a little bit of that empathy that you get when you you try to go in someone else's shoes. And we want, um, you know, ideally, I'd like to see stories not only where there's a hero, but where there is a team of people or a community that uh, is is working together to solve a problem, because that's how problems are, are really solved. We we really don't have you know, the, the, the one hero who's going to save the world. We have to work together to, uh, to do that. And you can probably tell, or people can probably tell from the way I talk, I'm a big Star Trek fan, back, going back all the way to the, the original series. And, and that's kind of what Star Trek, you know, brought to me as a nine-year-old when it was originally on TV. And I think it's kept a little bit of that through all of its incarnations. So, you know, I'm kind of following along in those footsteps. We're not going to have a lot of starship stories and crews, that sort of thing. But we do have a lot of, of just eclectic different stories that, um, that that bring a lot of that that concept. And, and also the concept of just hope that humane values and, and um, uh, technology and civilization will win out, you know, in the end. The fact that we're in a little bit of a dystopian period right now go back 80 years and you're in World War II, that looked a lot worse if you were living through that. So uh, I sometimes I just think we lose perspective. Little bumps are nothing. <laughs> that That is a very, very relaxed view of the world. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did this, where, where did this start? How did this come from? Dreamforge, uh, the original idea started last year, actually around this time. Um, I just was, you know, it just occurred to me, like I had an epiphany one day, and I think one of the things that brought it to a head was we were watching uh, Netflix, and we were watching the anthology series Black Mirror, which is absolutely brilliant, by the way, but there was a particular episode called Metalhead, and it's filmed entirely in black and white, and it, it follows the plight of a woman who's fleeing from these robot killer dogs, and uh, after the unexplained collapse of civilization, basically, and, and uh, in the end, she doesn't make it. You really get the impression humanity doesn't make it. And I couldn't write enough about how brilliant this episode was. It, it, I gave it a standing ovation. It was exceptionally well done. Um, but then it occurred to me, but that's wrong. <laughs> it's like, that's not what I grew up understanding, you know, uh, the future of humanity to be, or, or it's not what science fiction and fantasy brought to me when I was growing up. It's like, no, we're, we're basically, you can see it if you just look around you. Um, you know, 3D printing, spaceflight has come down in cost. You know, just from the shuttle days, we've come down 40 and 80 times in, in cost for spaceflight. You know, uh, Elon Musk, I have faith in him taking us to Mars someday. Uh, we're basically going to go out and explore the solar system, and then we're going to go to the stars. And along the way, we're going to learn how to live with one another and, um, you know, find ways to, to make these very disparate communities that do believe in different things and that are at odds in terms of the way they look at the world, but find a way for them to work together and, you know, to accomplish great things. And that's the future that, that we're heading toward. And I really don't know that that future can be stopped. So 
Um, you know, there can be all kinds of problems now, but uh, we're going to get past them. So you, you, you kind of got stuck in the 50s and 60s. Wow. Movement of. <laughs> well, and I get you because I was there with you. No, I, I, I get that more, more than you'll ever know. Uh, and, and the dystopian novels and the dystopian aspects of the world uh, to, to many people became kind of uh, an anthem as we moved forward. Um, and it, it was nice to see attempts at reviving it, uh, movies and, 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 uh, and books that brought us through that and beyond that. But it, it seems to have really just resonated with you deeply. Yes. Um, and one of the things about when you say going back to the 40s and 50s, one of the interesting things about Dreamforge, one of one of our um, like taglines is connecting dreamers past and future. Um, in our found actual founders issue that uh, that just came out today, um, we have a writer in there, Tom Sheehan, who's 91 years old. OK, we have a writer in there, Paul Dellinger, who's 80 years old. Um, so they've written in that 60s time period. And and what's really fun for me is Tom Sheen's really a Western writer, but he, he wrote a nice little piece that can that's kind of a, a little bit of a contemporary fantasy. Um, but, you know, we're bringing those voices, you know, from that age and we're combining them also with uh, voices of, of new writers, new novelists like uh, Serena Ulibarri, who has a who has what's called a solar punk story for us, which is about how cattle ranching will be done, you know, in the near future inside skyscrapers. And, and it's actually a story of, of kind of cattle wrestling and, and stuff in a high tech environment. So we're, you know, bringing old voices and new voices together, all of them just basically showing us about human empathy and how to, you know, uh, treat one another, um, that kind of thing. And it, it, that's what I want to do. It's, it's like, stuck in the 50s um, i can agree with you from from one point of view but i'm also trying to do that thing where i'm just stepping back and saying look it's like we want to look at humanity for centuries or millennia we don't want to focus on the fact that you know you think climate change is going to destroy the world uh one of the stories we have been coming out an issue too is actually by a uh climate scientist from italy uh the other cool thing is we got stories from all over the world but his name's uh, David Mana, and he um, wrote us a story where a time traveler comes back to basically get firsthand uh, impressions of how people were dealing with climate change in our age. And the anguish for him is his, his inability, he's not really allowed to interact with people to tell them, hey, it's going to be all right. It's like, you know, yeah, you're watching the waves come in and collapse these buildings in Shanghai and, and you're toasting the end of the world and stuff. But that's just today. You know, we, we get past this. We move even beyond Earth. Um, you know, that sort of thing. So those are the kind of tales we're looking for. Um, when I started reading sci-fi, uh, one, one of the pulp magazines that I just inhaled was the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. Absolutely. The magazine of fantasy and science fiction, uh, which was edited by uh, Charles Finley, and everybody who was everybody uh, was, was in and out of that magazine. And then I started looking at what you want to include in this, and I found that there's quite a, a similar corollary in that 
magazine of fantasy and science fiction would on one page have a, a short series of couplets by a writer and in the following page would have part three of a novella by somebody else, a short story after that. There was, there was no rhyme or reason other than it was good. And from what I've been reading uh, about what Dreamforge is going to be, it's, its content is going to be much the same. I would say yes, um, but all, all um, comparisons are kind of accidental because we don't know what we're doing, and they did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe when they started they did either. Because <laughs> my wife, my wife and I have never been been publishers before, so we're just just learning this from the ground up. And and one of the lucky things and resources that we have in in doing this is that a fr family friend of ours for years is Jane Linskold, who's a wonderful fantasy writer who's done like the Firekeeper series and Breaking the Wall series. And and uh, one of the first things I did when I came up with this screwball idea was was give her a call, she's out in New Mexico, and basically explain, I want to start this magazine, would you help? And, um, you know, she said, well, sort of, I guess that's what friends are for, I think was her response. And then <laughs> within, within like half an hour, I started getting one email after another with ideas and suggestions and all that, and I turned to my wife, Jane, and, and said, I, I think she's in, she bought in. So we have that as a resource to, you know, help us reach out to, Writers help us understand what the faux pas are, how we can step on toes, what we should do to be a good part of the community. So in addition to trying to get our publication together, one of the things we've concentrated on is, is exactly that. How do we be a good contributing member of the science fiction and fantasy community um, without um, stepping on toes? We, uh, you know, we learned that one of the things we should do is pay on acceptance and pay professional rates. And we do that both for our art and for our stories. Um, we, you know, have gone to the uh, Nebula Awards, um, uh, congregate down in North Carolina and um, here in Pittsburgh, uh, Confluence. And we've met with a number of writers and editors. One of the things that really astounded us was how friendly other editors were to us. Um, in our business, my wife and I work in web design, and it's a fairly competitive business, and we didn't expect anything like the reception we got, you know, in, in uh, the science fiction community. Um, uh, one editor, uh, Fireside Magazine, which is a wonderful literary uh, science and fantasy fiction magazine, his name's Pablo Defendini, um, he sat down with us and actually pulled out, like, his laptop and started pulling up programs and saying, here, I'm going to show you everything you need to know about, like, publishing. And... You know, we said, well, we signed up for you. We were only supposed to get 15 minutes. Our 15 minutes is, is like up. We want to be respectful of your time. And he looked around and said, well, there's nobody else here. Let's keep going. And it's like an hour and a half later, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, he's still sharing stuff with us. And uh, the attitude that we found from these guys, and I think it was Scott H. Andrews of, of um, uh, Beneath Peace Skies, which is a fantasy uh, website that's, I think, won a Hugo Award. Um, we were asking him, like, why is this happening? It's like you guys are potentially our competitors. And he pointed across the room to Neil uh, Clark of Clark's World, and he said, you see that guy? He helped me get started. I'm going to help you get started. Now you're going to help the next guy get started. And that pay-it-forward attitude really seems to be a part of this community. And if you go back to that idea of, well, what is the real future of humanity going to be like? I can't believe that with people like exist in this community, with people like the authors who have contributed to us. I've had one author basically say, no, you can't pay me 
just use it to support the magazine. Um, uh, our old 91-year-old author, Tom Sheehan, um, you know, he basically said, you know, I don't want to sign a contract. I just do handshake deals, and I want you to have this story, so just we'll work something out. And when you have that across generations and across the community, it, it almost makes you feel like the things you see on television about how divided we are and how people are at each other's throats. And, and that is, is just, that's the fantasy. Um, I think there, there's a great deal of energy uh, out there to basically move things forward in a very positive way. One of the things that I noticed on your website uh, in uh, the in the mock-up issue of the magazine and, and very much looking forward to issue number one uh, is the varied writers and styles and artists. How did they find you? How did you find them? Very interesting. Um, we have no idea, but this is how it happened. <laughs> uh, we started when we started and we said, well, we, we're going to have to reach out and get writers. Well, there are, websites out there like Raylan and another one probably I forget where they basically post that these these magazines are open for submission and and you basically can you know put out calls for for stories and we wanted to start very slow because we didn't know what we were going to what we, we'd never edited stories before we never we didn't know what we were going to get and we'd heard about that idea of the slush pile that's going to drown us so we basically started very slow and we said to Jane Linskold it's like will you just talk to a few of your friends see if they'll submit us stories um, so it started that way, very slow. Um, somehow, in the midst of, and we put up a little notice on our website, which nobody was visiting because nobody knew it was there. Uh, somehow, in the midst of starting slow, word spread around the world faster than we could possibly have imagined, and we ended up getting over 200 stories, in, you know, in a very short period of time. And they were from Italy and Finland and Bulgaria and Russia and Shanghai and um, just just all over the world. We couldn't believe where these, these stories were coming from, from, from Africa and South Africa. Uh, we have a wonderful story about um, uh, a rhinoceros that uh, white, white rhinos uh, became extinct. The last white uh, male rhino died last year, and we have a wonderful story about that coming up in issue two. Um, we just couldn't believe where all these stories were coming from. So it was just, I think mainly word of mouth it's like people just started telling people who emailed other people who emailed their contacts and said you know there's there's this magazine and they want to do positive stories and i think there were a lot of people out there who said nobody will accept my positive stories i'll send them there <laughs> so so it, it it actually just blew up faster and wider than, than we imagined or were ready for how terrible <laughs> <laughs> now now all i need is subscribers <laughs> To do the well, same. actually, you've you've done fairly well with that because your Kickstarter yes. is has almost doubled the amount of money that you asked for, and you've got a you've got a nice core cadre of people there to to begin your uh, your subscription process. We do indeed, and um, one of the other things when you talk about just uh, the power of people wanting to contribute to things, um, while we were in the midst of this you know, 200 manuscripts that we'd never, you know, and some of them were like 10,000 word stories and, and that sort of thing. And we're trying to figure out how we're going to read and evaluate these things. We had a gentleman, his name is Jamie from Australia, send me a very polite and detailed email basically saying, I understand what you're doing and I want to be a first line reader for you. I want to help you get through your manuscripts and select stories. And it was, it was so well done that I said, okay, 
um, let's try you out. I'll send you some stories that we already have read through. We understand what their qualities are, and you give me back, give me feedback. Well, Jamie not only did that, I quickly got the impression it's like, man, he gets, he gets my project better than I get my project. <laughs> and and we, we almost immediately said, well, and, and again, another person who said, I'm not in this for the money. I, I think you have a project here that I want to be a part of. And we immediately said, well, then you're getting a credit. You're, you're an editorial assistant. Your name's going, you know, on the masthead. Um, but again, the amazing number of people who have, who have come in and done things like that um, is just astounding. And, and so it, it just becomes harder and harder to believe uh, in a dystopian universe when, when you have that kind of support. Can, can I tell you a little secret? Yes. I got an email from someone I kind of know who said to me, check out this link. You might really like this. And it was the link to your Kickstarter. Ah. Now, I don't know how many other people she sent that to, but literally within five minutes of reading it, I ripped off an email to you and said, I'd like to get you on the show. I really like this idea. So, yeah, I understand how that happens because that's exactly how it happened to me. Well, we're going we're gonna to try to keep that going. Um, we've also got some of the writers we've worked with. Um, uh, um, Barbara Barnett, who um, uh, she had a novel out in 2017 called The Apothecary's Curse. It was a Bram Stoker Award finalist, and she wrote a nice, cute zombie story for us. And you might think, what's a zombie story doing in, in a hopeful magazine? Well, in this particular zombie apocalypse, the zombies basically just learn to get on with it. It's like, so it happened. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> And it's really cutely done. It's humorous. Um, but she's going to Capricorn um, uh, uh, just on February 15th or 14th, I think it starts, the same day our release is coming out. And she's going to act a bit as an evangelist for us. So she's doing that. Um, Hildy Silverman, who is the uh, – she just um, sold her publication. She did uh, Space and Time magazine. And um, it's been around for like 43 years. But – um, she just she just sold that, and she's now working with us. Uh, she wants to rep us a little bit, so um, she's going to convention in April, I believe, where she's going to talk about Dreamforge. And uh, one of the cool things we just heard uh, the other day, I don't know if it will happen or not, but uh, we ended up um, picking up stories from several uh, writers out in New Mexico who, who all um, know each other. Uh, they have a, a like a writing club sort of thing, and uh, one of them has actually gone to the – uh, producers of um, uh, what is it? Um, the Colorado convention, Bonacon, I think it is. And, oh yeah, yeah. And she's she's gone to them and she said, "You need to do a panel on Dreamforge," and gotten enough uh, response that they'll say, "Okay, well, we'll consider that and we'll let you know our decision in May." So Bubonicon, we may actually have to fly out there because they may have a panel on. Uh, oh, on terrible! Dream. What a horrible <laughs> thing <laughs> to have to happen. <laughs> And, uh, and and she's she's also rounding up our writers from New Mexico and saying, okay, we're all going to be on this panel together. So, so some pretty amazing things have happened, and that's one of the things that I love about starting new projects is you you really you're going to have adventures that you never anticipated. You're going to have problems that you never anticipated. Everything's not going to go right, but 
you're going to meet people and you're going to have adventures and things are going to go off in some direction that you don't know, but that you'll probably appreciate. The interesting thing, well, one of the, so far, I, I think I've begun every new thought with the interesting thing about this project is, <laughs> there's a crap load of interesting stuff about this project. Here, here's something I really appreciated. And that was in the about us and your privacy policy. If you share your email address, mailing address, and other contact information with us, we will never monetize that information by selling your contact information to other businesses. We're here to sell you stories and dreams of a better future, not to take undue advantage of your trust. Wow. Um, holy <laughs> shit. Sorry, but holy shit. If people would just be honest like that, that would be wonderful. What made you do that? Because it's how we feel. I, I don't think a lot of thought or decision-making went into that. It's it's we're in the um, the digital marketing business, so, so we understand things are monetized and we understand what Google and Facebook and, and all that, you know, do with your, your data and, and your email address and that sort of thing. And we just wanted to say to our subscribers, it's like, we're not going to take your email address and sell it to somebody else. We're, that's not our business. Our business is selling stories. If we're successful at that, it's because we have subscribers, maybe some advertisers, but we're not going to, there's no reason for us to go that extra step. And if we, we build up a, a client list to try to sell it to someone that that's, you didn't ask for that. That's not what you signed up for. Um, now, that's not saying that we won't send them some advertising. <laughs> if we have something new coming out, we'll we'll communicate with our uh, with our. With I think our, that's a little you know. different, though. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's significantly different from selling people's names and addresses, and you know, making your money that way. It's absolutely a different way to do it. I agree, and you know, that's that's a promise that we will keep. It's not not even an issue. Um, we also, you know, one of the things I think on that page, we talk about our inclusivity policy. Um, you do. We do. We do want to reach out and we do want people who uh, come from all kinds of different communities, if they're disabled, if, um, you know, uh, if they're part of the LGBTQIA community, um, they keep adding letters to that. Um, but, you know, whatever their background is, and I don't care if they're also, if they're a privileged white individual, you know, who grew up in that, everyone has a story. Everyone has things that they can contribute to the mix that are the world as they perceive the world. And that's what we hope, you know, Dreamforge to show. And one of the reasons why we're even looking for stories from different age groups, um, we want those different feelings to be there and to be entertaining. And we do have, since we have some older writers, we do have some of that feeling of the 1950s, 1960s. Um, but then we have younger writers who are working in um, uh, solar punk and hope punk and um, different genres that, that just, they see the world in a different, because they've been brought up in a different world and they haven't necessarily seen the, the same kind of hopeful look at the future that previous generations have, have seen. And, and I think that's something too, just the idea that because of my age, I'm, I'm in my early 60s, uh, I've seen that, that change and I can take my mind back to the beginning and say, no, 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 we're going to the stars. But if you're 25 or, or you know, a teenager now or whatever, what have you experienced but a lot of dystopian disgruntlement and how do you, how does that change your perception of the world? Now, you have three different levels of uh, subscription for the magazine. 
Yes. You have the Firekeeper, Farrier, and Forge Master. Yeah. Uh, could you just uh, hopefully you have the stuff in front of you so you don't have to do it from memory? <laughs> uh, can you just break down for our listeners uh, how much each one is and what they get for each one? Yes. Um, we start with our, our Firekeeper level, which we're actually going to probably rename that to Fire Tender. Um, uh, Jane Linskold, our, our advisor, she um, basically has a whole universe where Firekeeper is a very prominent um, figure, and we don't want to step on her toes with that. But um, so Firekeeper, Fire Tender, um, is an online subscription. One of the things that we've invested in is a web portal, uh, which is unlike anything that's that's out there right now. So it's essentially a reading dashboard, which uh, is responsive to all sizes of device. So you can read as easily on your phone as you can on a PC, as you can on a tablet or, or a laptop. And this is what that range of subscription gets you into. It's $19.99 a year, or you can pay $2.25 a month. And it allows you to log in. You have your own dashboard where you can actually save stories um, you can, if you're reading the magazine, you can say, I'd like this story to be in my dashboard. I really enjoyed it. Um, that kind of thing. We're one of the things our Kickstarter will allow us to do is actually expand the functionality of that dashboard. So you can share that story with, uh, with someone else, um, that kind of thing. Our farrier level is simply the print magazine. Uh, we figured that some people just aren't online. They just, you know, don't uh, care about that. So, um, an annual subscription to just getting the quarterly print magazine is $39.99. And our Forge Master uh, basically combines both. It combines the online and the print. Um, it's also $39.99 uh, or $375 a month to do that. Uh, some of the specials, things that we're doing right now uh, through the end of uh, the month, actually, is anyone who signs up by the end of February, we're going to recognize as a founder. They're the people who believed in us before there was actually even a product to show them. And we're going to, in every issue, print their names, print their names online, and, and recognize them as founders. And if they're online, they'll be able to see a little founder badge in their dashboard. We're going to get them out a, a free ebook, um, The Stellar Glory. Uh, I'll, I apologize to them all because I wrote it, <laughs> but it's about... <laughs> But it's about uh, essentially a battle for the, the nature of the universe itself. So uh, hopefully some people will, will like that. And, um, you know, so we're, we're doing some things like that. And, uh, you know, we're just going to see how it goes. We've, like I said, we've never done anything like this before. Um, we're just uh, we're getting our feet in the water. So far, we think we've done pretty well. Uh, we haven't uh, haven't suffered any any major setbacks or or body blows in, in trying to get this out and written and that sort of thing. We've had a lot of help from a lot of wonderful people. And uh, as I said at the very beginning, we got our first print run delivered today, and uh, we're going to be having a release party over the weekend and stuffing these things in plastic uh, sleeves and mailing them out. So, well, uh, um, I'm going to tell you, I'm I'm looking forward to being one of them. <laughs> And uh, as as time goes on, as, as this community begins to grow, and I've also been inside the portal, and that's uh, a really, really interesting, fun place. And I think your subscribers are going to really appreciate that that kind of added bonus to it as well. But as things move forward with the magazine, Scott, I'd love to have you with us to talk about what's been going on, things that have been happening. And uh, thank you for joining us tonight. 
Oh, you're most welcome. And we'd, we'd come back anytime. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con, King Comic Con, Plastic City Comic Con, BooksandBooze.com, and Comic Art House. Take a moment to visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. If you're looking for a really great gift book for the rapidly approaching Arbor Day celebration, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, Live Play, out on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. I've been your family. The audiobook is now available on Audible because I don't know what else to get it. Our only choice is provided by Rock Watch. We're missing this stuff just at robotsonline.com. Now with Hudson, our outreach is provided by Lady Brock. Check out your cruise at BarnesandNoble.com. Good hello to JoJo and Celine. Many thanks to the game. Anybody time tunnel? Started Ghana. Thank you so much. This is what I know.